All right, a holiday weekend, and I think it's ready to start. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. But it can't start until we ask the preacher. Ask the Preacher, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church, located in North Lakeland. Ask the Preacher with John Freed. John's taking the day off. Sitting in is George Locke. Yep, 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 yippee. It is a beautiful Friday out there, and welcome to the radio program, all you beautiful people out there in Radio Land. Fourth of July, just around the corner, America's birthday. It's exciting times. We're going to talk about that a little bit today, and I'm going to do my absolute best to offend everybody. So stick with me. It's going to be pretty fun. You can join in on the conversation. Call 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. You can also check us out on askthepreacher.com. And on askthepreacher.com, you can check out previous episodes, submit questions. We'll do our best to answer them on follow-up episodes, as well as check out the phone number in case you forget what it is, 863-682-1430. You can ask a question that's either on topic, off topic, or join in on the conversation. Like I mentioned, we we are celebrating America's birthday uh, on the 4th, and I wanted to read something really quick. Uh, It's lyrics from one of my absolute favorite songs written by a a gentleman named Carmen who uh, has passed away uh, in in, uh, the last couple of years. And uh, I'm going to read just parts of it briefly. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Samuel Adams, First Chief Justice John Jay, names synonymous with the spirit of our country, founding fathers of the USA. Over 200 years ago, they shook off the chains of tyranny from Great Britain by divine call. Citing 27 biblical violations, they wrote the Declaration of Independence with liberty and justice for all. But something happened since Jefferson called the Bible the cornerstone for American liberty and then put it in our schools as a light. Or since give me liberty or give me death, Patrick Henry said, our country was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We eliminated God from the equation of American life, thus eliminating the reason the nation first began. From beyond the grave, I hear the voices of our founding fathers plead, you need God in America again. And so the question I have for all of you today listening in Radio Land is, is it possible to be an American without being a Christian? So we're going to dive in today and talk about what it means to be an American and what it means to walk in the footsteps of our founding fathers. Before we do that, we're going to go to a caller on the line. James, welcome to Ask the Preacher. What's on your mind? How are you doing today? Hey, James, I'm doing great. What's up? Uh, At the bottom of the hour, if you would, uh, you can try to answer this question for me, for for your listening audience, because I know what you've got your plans for right now. Um, But my question is, pertaining to uh, 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 26. Okay. And Second Chronicles chapter twenty-two, verse two. Do you want to shed some light on on what that's uh, talking about? I'm sorry, you said Second Chronicles two twenty-two. Yes, in other words, Second Chronicles yep. twenty-two, Second Chronicles twenty-two, verse two, 
and 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 26. So what's the question? Uh, the question is this. In 2 Kings, it shows Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king and reigned one year in Jerusalem, where mm-hmm. 2 Chronicles 22.2 says Ahaziah was 42 years old when he became king and reigned one year in Jerusalem. I really want to put your thinking cap on, because I mean, this is one I couldn't be able to answer. So I want to see about other people's opinions. And so at the bottom of the hour, I'll be waiting for your response on that, okay? Fair enough, James. That's a great question, and I have answered that before. I'm not sure if I've done it on, on uh, this particular radio program, but we'll tackle that at the uh, bottom of the hour. I got it here on my notes. Very good. And, and we'll revisit the question, and then we'll, we'll tackle that answer. So thank you for calling. Thank you for listening, James. Bye. I appreciate it. Bye. So just before James called... Uh, I mentioned one of these lyrics that the Founding Fathers cited 27 biblical violations. And after about 30 years of trying and protesting and going before the king and stating their grievances, they finally said, you know what, enough's enough. I think it's time for us to to split, to part ways with, at that time, the greatest superpower in the world. And I want to talk about these grievances. We're not going to read all of them, but I want to read a couple of them. And I want you to just ponder in your heart if this sounds familiar to what we're experiencing today. So if we look at the grievances listed in order, we start with number 14. It talks about the quartering of large bodies of armies among us. And I want it to state 14 because number 15 says... And for protecting them, these large bodies of of, uh, government employees, if you will, for protecting them by mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states. So that was one grievance. The second grievance is for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world. Grievance 17, for imposing taxes on us without our consent. Grievance 18, for depriving us in many cases of the benefit of trial by jury. 19, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretend offenses. That's pretty interesting because a lot of those, to me, I see direct correlations to what's happening in our form of government today. There's a movie line from the movie The Patriot starring Mel Gibson. And one of the lines that he says goes something like this. He says, well, tell me, why would I trade one king 3,000 miles away for 3,000 kings one mile away? An elected legislature can trample a man's rights just as easily as a king can. And that's a pretty interesting statement because in today's America, we see these grievances popping up all over again. For example, grievance number 15, we have people who are government employees or the children of government employees getting mock trials, slaps on the wrist, specifically Hunter Biden, getting a slap on the wrist for uh, gun crimes and tax crimes that people have gone to jail for five years for. Yet he has a mock trial, if you will. You have people being cut off of their trade in all parts of the world where we see uh, cancel culture, these businesses and, and financial institutions that are in league, in bed 
they're more or less the same as the bureaucrats in government, these unelected officials who, who rule over the nation, uh, closing people's bank accounts. You had just recently the ATF going to a gun store and demanding the purchase records from a gun store. That was uh, two weeks ago that that occurred. Illegally doing those things. You have uh, people getting their bank accounts seized and closed. You have number 17. This one strikes a chord with me. It's taxation without our consent. And some people would say, well, you know, you vote for people as if that does any good. But you vote for people who then uh, pass these tax laws. And, and that is your consent. But what most people don't realize, you may not even realize, is every day your tax dollars go to fund horrible horrible endeavors like ripping babies apart limb by limb in their wombs by funding the research for sex education, which how they come up with that information, you need to look up for yourself because I can't mention it on radio. They abuse children to find out uh, how we should educate in sex education in our public schools. And in my opinion, that's a tax without my consent. I don't consent to any of that. And then you have... Grievance number 18, for depriving us in many cases of the benefit of trial by jury. Right now you have grandmas, you have people who simply walked into the Capitol building non-violently, many of them invited by police officers, doors opened for them, who have been in prison for two years without trial, let alone a trial by their actual peers and a jury of their peers. Uh, grievance number 19, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretend offenses, making up things, lying blatantly. I don't know if you guys uh, have realized there was a tape that came out of Trump. Now, whether you love Trump or hate Trump, that's not the point. The point is there was a leaked audio that allegedly said Trump was uh, sharing classified documents with a reporter. It is now confirmed that that is an absolute lie. It's a lie. They're charging people with pretend offenses all of the time, trying to smear and ruin them, not only in the courts of law, but in the court of public opinion. So it's interesting that these violations that our founding fathers uh, declared war on, on the British Empire so that they could obtain their freedom. We're seeing these creeping back into our society again, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this after this short break. We're going to dive into, can you be an American without being a Christian? You're listening to Ask the Preacher. Phone number to call in, 863-682-1430. We will see you in just a few moments. Now let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher, your chance to have your Bible questions answered. It's brought to you by Believer's Fellowship, Sitting in for John Freed, here's George. Welcome back to the program, all you beautiful people out there in Radioland. Hey, at the beginning of the show, I started out by reciting some lyrics from a one of my favorite songs, and I want to continue that. Uh, so bear with me as we continue to learn about uh, America and can you be a true American without being a Christian? So continuing the lyrics from God in America again by Carmen... The next stanza goes, Of the 55 men who formed the Constitution, 52 were active members of their church. Founding fathers like Noah Webster, who wrote the first dictionary, 
could literally quote the Bible chapter and verse. James Madison said, We've staked our future on our ability to follow the Ten Commandments with all of our heart. These men believed you couldn't even call yourself an American if you subvert the Word of God. In his farewell address, Washington said, You can't have national morality apart from religious principle. And it's true. Because right now there are nearly 150,000 kids carrying guns to these war zones we call public schools. If you were to, uh, that's, that's the end of the song for the, for the moment, but if you were to ask people what it is to be an American, can you describe Americanism? You'd get a wide range of answers. Some people would say, well, to be an American means, you know, you, you just love freedom. Some people would say, oh, it just means to be born in America. And I guess on the surface that's true. But there are some qualities, some cultural differences that have made the United States unique. Of all the nations that have ever been founded throughout the history of mankind, there has not been a nation that has led to more people being prosperous or free than the United States. And some of the qualities that we find for being an American, I, I kind of listed them out, and I wanted to show how each one of these qualities actually stems from not just an American culture, but from the culture of the God of the Bible, from Yahweh himself. So the first one is equality. And, you know, I'm a, I was born in the uh, 80s. I'm a 90s child, a early 2000s child. And I really believe that our generation, my generation, was the first and unfortunately, uh, at the moment, the last generation that was truly colorblind. When I was growing up, race baiting and, and racism was not nearly a hot topic button as it is today. And the racial divide has been intentionally been reintroduced into society uh, to cause division, to distract, to cause destruction, and to prevent us from being unified. But what's really unique is that even in our founding documents, we start the Declaration of Independence with what most people are familiar with, that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. But it's interesting that before the rights are listed, the founders note it that all men are created equal. And when we read Galatians 3.28, it really sets this precedent. It says that there is, uh, this is Galatians 3.28, that there's neither Jew or Gentile, slave or free, there's neither male or female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. Because if I am to be like Jesus, I am to be like Jesus, crucified in him, and I identify as him. Whatever other identity I had is gone. And because of that, all men are created equal. All men need to repent and receive the gift of God, which comes by grace through faith in Jesus' complete work. So the first quality to be an American is to recognize equality. The next is individualism. America throughout our history has been known as rugged individualists. And in 1 Peter 4.10, we see that uh, it says this, Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
This idea that I'm an individual, 1 Corinthians goes on and explains it that we're one body, but we're many body parts. An elbow doesn't do what a hand does, and an eye does not do what a nose does. We're individually created. We're given a gift. It's unique. But we're to use that individualism to serve the whole. And the next is diversity, true diversity. This idea of affirmative action, this I'll, I'll just say it plainly, affirmative action is absolutely racist. If you don't believe somebody can achieve something based on their own merit, but they need a hand up simply based on their genetics, you're, you're wrong. That's racism. That's wrong. And so thank God that the Supreme Court has uh, ruled against affirmative action because now we can finally do as Dr. King uh, always had a dream. We can judge people based on the content of their character and not the color of their skin. But that goes back to 1 Corinthians 12, 12, where he says, just as one body, though one, it has many parts, but all its many parts from one body. So it is with Christ. America is unique because we are a melting pot. We do have diversity. But what ties us all together is not segregating ourselves from each other, but recognizing that we're all Americans. And though we are many parts, we're one body, the American body, just as when you are in Christ, you are many parts, but one body in Christ. The next quality that really forges Americanism is informality. We're very informal with each other, and a lot of people, uh, when you go around the world, they'll say, oh, Americans, you know, they're, they're polite. They always say hi and howdy and ask how you're doing and how's your day going. We're very informal. We're friendly because of this idea of equality, because we all bleed red, because we're all humans and we're created by our creator. We are equal, and this leads us to this concept that really comes out of Ephesians 4.32 as, as one point of reference. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you. So it's pretty interesting that we're able to have this real friendliness because we're all equal, because we realize we need the grace of God. And so we're going to continue diving a little deeper in answering this question as we get ready to celebrate july 4th this uh tuesday we're going to really ask this question by the end of this program can you be a true american without being a true christian or without being a christian so you're listening to ask the preacher we're going to be back in just a few moments after this break a reminder you can call in join in on the conversation 863-682-1430 we'll see you in just a few moments Now let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher, your chance to have your Bible questions answered every Friday from 5 to 6, brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church. John Freed is your host. He's out today. Sitting in is George Locke. Welcome back from the break, all you beautiful people out there in Radioland. Hey, before we took the big break, we had James call in, and James had a question about uh, some differences, some some people would say contradictions, some people would say discrepancies, errors, between some uh, information we see in Second Chronicles and some information we see in Second Kings. And so, James, I wanted to be fair to you, and I, I think I've mentioned this before on previous programs, this is one of those verses where uh, I love doing apologetics and I love doing uh, 
uh, I hate calling them debates, but we'll say debates for the for the sake of uh, clarity. But I like doing debates with folks, and this is one of the verses that usually atheists or people who are trying to say, "Oh, the Bible is is obviously wrong. It's been translated and retranslated so many times. It's it's got errors, and people change things in it." And um, so there's there's generally three consensus of views that I've heard of in terms of explaining the differences between the ages mentioned in Second Kings chapter 8, verse 26, and Second Chronicles 22, 2. Uh, one says that he began reigning at 22 years old. The other one says he began reigning at 42 years old. And so there's three general ideas. Number one is that it's not really mentioning his age at ruling individually. It's mentioning his rule as a co-ruler with his father. Um, not a big fan of that one, but that is a consensus. And so they're, they're saying, well, look, one is saying his reign as an individual. One is saying, okay, when his dad died, then he began reigning fully. So that's the difference between 22 and, and 42. The other idea is that it's kind of a, a summation of the entire dynasty of King Ahab. You had uh, Omri, who who reigned for six years, you had Ahab, who reigned for 22 years. Uh, then you had uh, Jerome, uh, which is uh, another 12 years. Uh, and so you add up the dynasty, basically, of King Ahab, and that's where you get your 42-year reign. So he started at you know 22, and then the whole dynasty was at 42. That's another idea. And then you have the fourth... Uh, contention, which which is actually the one that I prescribe to myself, is that it is actually a mistranslation. And um, I think it's a, a mistranslation because he probably uh, started to reign uh, at 22. And throughout copying these manuscripts, somebody smudged the paper, ripped the paper, wrinkled the paper, and ended up writing 42 in the uh, Second Chronicles uh version of the story. And and the reason I prescribe to this is because in 2 Kings 8, 17, it talks about his father dying at the age of 40. Well, mathematically, it would be a little difficult for, for him to reign for um, that amount of time because he would have been born before his father. And so in this particular instance, I, I think that this is a, a tangible example where, yeah, there was a not a translation error per se, but a copying down error, right? They didn't have Xerox machines or, you know, control paste, control copy like we do on modern computers. So somebody probably fudged the numbers as it was. And uh, I, there are some texts that actually show 22 for both accounts. So uh, I think there's evidence that uh, Arabic text and uh, Syriac text, they, they show 22 for both, and I think that's probably correct. Now, does it make that big of a difference in, in, in the grand scheme of God's Word? No, and, and another example I can point to this is um, you take certain verses, even in our modern translations, uh, you, you have instances where um, it'll talk about from the, the difference between the New Living Translation or the NIV Translation or the King James Version— they're all pretty much saying the same thing, but they're worded slightly different. So does that mean that there's a problem with the Word of God? Does it make the Word of God full of errors? Well, not really. They're, they're, they're still conveying the same truthful thought. And in this case, I think it was just a smudge in the numbers and, and it got copied down 
but there are still texts that show 22 for both accounts. So James, I, I hope that helped give some clarification. I hope that answered your question. I appreciate it. And if you got any more, call in. Well, folks, we're, we're continuing our conversation with, can you be an, a true American if you're not really a Christian? And I want you guys to, to really think about this as we continue to listen to the lyrics from one of my favorite songs written by a guy named Carmen. <clears throat> so I'm going to continue reading the lyrics here, and it says, In the 40s and 50s, student problems were chewing gum and talking. In the 90s, sexual assault and murder are the trend. The only way this nation can even hope to last another decade is to put God in America again. Abraham Lincoln said that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government of the next. So when you eliminate the word of God from the classroom and politics, you eliminate the nation that word protects. America is now number one in teen pregnancy and violent crime, number one in illiteracy, drug use, and divorce. And every day a new holocaust of 5,000 unborn babies die, while pornography floods our streets like open sewers. America's dead and dying hand is on the threshold of the church, while the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah vexes us all. When it gets to the point where people would rather come out of the closet than clean it, is the sign that the judgment of God is going to fall. That's pretty interesting because it perfectly describes what has happened in our nation. Prior to the break, we were talking about what does it mean to be an American? What are some of the timeless qualities that describe Americanism? And we talked about equality, individualism, diversity, our ability to be informal and friendly with people. And I read some verses where those concepts and those ideas stem from. One of the probably most profound qualities of American is, well, I'm free. It's the home of, of the free, the land of the brave. It's, it's where uh, liberty's bell rings true. You know, it's, it's all about freedom. And to some extent, that was true. I don't know if it's so true anymore, but in Galatians 5.13, it says, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for your fleshly desires to run rampant. But through love, serve one another. The Bible also tells us that God is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's freedom with personal responsibility. So to call America the land of the free, or to say that what makes Americanism, to what makes Americans American is their love of freedom, is really to say People love God because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Another timeless quality is innovation. Never has there been a country like America where so much technological, medical, financial innovation has occurred. Now, there have been great people throughout history and from other parts of the world that have helped the world in its journey. But no collective group like the American people have been so innovative. And the verse that I find interesting for this is actually Philippians 2.5, where in relationship to one another, the author of Philippians says, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Some other translations say to have the mind of Christ. And Jesus makes all things new. He takes us who are broken, woefully sinners, and he makes us new. He gives us a new spirit, and someday he'll give us new bodies. And then he will take all that is terrible with this world, and he'll make a new heaven 
and a new earth. And so the greatest innovator of all, really, is God himself. So for Americans to have this, this value of innovation is really just a reflection of the innovation of God. And then finally, the last American virtue, the last quality of being an American that I want to talk about is self-reliance. And there's a lot of verses in the Bible about being self-reliant, but I want to read two. The first one is from 2 Thessalonians 3.10, and it says, For even when we were with you, we would not give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. And then the second verse is Proverbs 12.27, Whoever is slothful will not roast his dinner, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. And it goes to show that not only should you not be lazy, but part of self-reliance is, you know, the, the phrase pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. It is the idea of what we saw in early America, cutting your home, providing for your family out of the wilderness and burying the dead along the way. It is to be dependent on your ability to work hard. And as Ecclesiastes says, whatever work your hand finds to do, to do it with all your might. But then to not use that self-reliance to boast about your own greatness, but to use that self-reliance to help others, to go back to being a people who cares, who is informal, who's friendly, uh, being individualistic, but yet being one body, one American body. And so as we celebrate this year's July 4th, I want us to really think about if all of these things we describe as Americanism, the idea of being an American really comes from the Bible. The question needs to be asked, can you be a true American without adhering to the biblical principles and the biblical way of life? I would contend that you can't. I would contend that you can be in America, physically in it. You can even be born in the legal sense as a citizen of America. But if you can't embody the spirit of America, which really is these biblical principles mentioned, these biblical qualities and values, I would argue that you're not really an American. And I know that might ruffle some feathers and feel like it's causing division. And in some sense, it may be. The goal is not to cause division, but to cause unity. And we're going to talk about how we can do that right after this break. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. Phone number to call in, 863-682-1430. We'll see you in just a few moments. Now, let's get back to the fourth and final segment of this afternoon's Ask the Preacher program, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. And for John Freed this afternoon, here's George Locke. Welcome back to the program, all you beautiful people out there in Radio Land. I'm sad it's our last segment. But hey... While you wait for next week to join us live, you can always check out askthepreacher.com and you can check out previous episodes, submit questions. We'll do our best to answer them on the next episode. If you want to join in today, 863-682-1430, I want to continue reading the last part of this song lyrics here. Uh, again, this is from a song called America Again by a artist named Carmen. So if there's ever been a time to rise up church, it's now. As the blood-bought saints of the living God proclaim, it's time to sound the alarm from the church house to the White House and say we want God in America again. 
I believe it's time America to stand up and proclaim that one nation under God is our demand and send the evil lifestyle back to Satan where it came from and let the word of God revive our dying land. For Jesus Christ is coming back again in all of his glory and every eye shall see him on that day. That's why a new anointing of God's power is coming upon us to boldly tell the world you must be saved. Because astrology won't save you, your horoscopes won't save you, the Bible says these things are all farce. If you're born again, you don't need to look to the stars for your answers. You can look to the one who made those stars. History tells us time and time again to live like there's no God makes you a fool. If you want to see kids start living right, stop handing out condoms and start handing out the word of God in schools. The only hope for America is Jesus. The only hope for America is him. But if we repent of our ways, we stand firm and say, we need God in America again. So knowing that to truly embrace all these virtues and values, I'm, I'm, I'm done reading, I'm, I'm now speaking from my heart, to embrace these values we talked about, equality, individualism, diversity, our friendliness, freedom, liberty, innovation, self-reliance, all the things that make Americans American. If these all stem really from God's culture, it's his personality, it's his lifestyle. Arguably, you can't be a true American without being a Christian. And so where does that leave us as we continue to have a country that's more and more divided, more and more bifurcated, and the lines are being drawn. Where just like the 27 grievances mentioned in our Declaration of Independence, we're seeing pretend offenses being tried. Those in power giving themselves mock trials, using your tax dollars to promote things you not only disagree with, but are just evil and sick. What do we do? Is it time to shake off the chains of tyranny? I think so. But maybe not through violent force, and here's why. Before a shot was ever fired, the founders prayed and petitioned for 30 years. And one of the great cries of the American Revolution was, No king, but King Jesus. The American people generally were of one heart and one mind. They had a common unity, which was the values of the Bible. All the things we listed, that was their desire, to follow the Word of God with all their hearts. Well, half of the nation doesn't want to do that. In fact, half of the nation violently expels God. Can God change those people's hearts? I believe so, and I hope so, and I'll continue to preach and pray and that they do. But until they do, I think it's incumbent on us, true Americans, those who follow the principles of God's word, to stand firm and make our voices heard through peaceful protest. Now, what does that peaceful protest look like to you? I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and proclaim you should stop paying your taxes. I'm not going to sit here and say you should stop... Uh, going to their mock trials because you have to do what our founders did. Before they ever signed the Declaration of Independence, they swore to each other that they would pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors. 
And before they pledged their life, their fortune, and their sacred honor, they made sure that they were right with God. Will the United States stand for another 200 plus years? I don't know. But I do know that if we don't change course, we won't last another two years. At least not the America that was and could be again. So as we get ready to celebrate this July 4th, I would encourage you to ponder in your own heart, can I truly be an American without being a Christian? If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know what it means to follow him and to have these values that are his values, seek him with all your heart and he'll show you things you can't begin to imagine. That's Jeremiah 33.3. And if you are following Jesus and you believe in the dream that is and was America, I would encourage you to remember those who fought and died, to give us this nation, and to ponder in your own heart, as the Bible says about Mary, all of these things, and decide if you're willing to, at some point, swear your life, your fortunes, and your sacred honor. Have a great Fourth of July. May God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. I'll see you guys all next week on Ask the Preacher.